Studio time is 4.09. Thanks so much for being with us. Derek Hansen with you here on The Drive. Paul Lines producing. Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us here from North Dakota State University, the Political Science Criminal Justice Department. Uh, what's the feeling on campus today? Like, whew, or... Oh, good man! You and D played tough. I mean, what's the feeling? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I haven't been on campus oh, since okay. the victory, but because uh, uh, I, I didn't come on onto campus today. But uh, I've been on the sports boards quite a bit. Oh, uh, Bison and that such. Out. Yeah, and I, I, I think people are happy with the victory. Um, but yeah, there's still, you know, as we were talking about off air, I think there's still, you know, some discussion about our play calling uh, offensively and. Um, some people wanting a little bit more creativity there, getting the quarterback a little more involved. Um, uh, but uh, with slants and things like that, uh, run the ball quite a bit. Um, as you said off the air, uh, a W is a W, and, and yep. uh, we got to be happy about that. Yeah, I think that's hard for people who are expecting to win 40 to nothing. It's like Alabama fans, too. Yeah. I, the fans of Bison football are very much like the Alabama fans in, the, you know, in a much smaller venue. It's just yeah. that they – Expect to win by a lot. We're, we should be better than everyone else. But when you got a target on your back, everyone's striving to be where you are. And yeah. that's, and, that's a compliment. And so. UND really is a better football team than they used to be. Oh, for you sure. Know, so, I mean, yeah. they, they're actually a quality opponent. So. Yeah. that I mean, their defense played well. It was a heck of a game. And if anything, 16 to 10 is kind of starting to simmer what will be. And it's going to take UND to beat them, mm-hmm, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not watch it from the man cave. Uh, Dr. Baumgartner came <laughs> out and – uh, watched the fiasco of the field goal with me at uh, oh yeah got, got, invited him out went a little pontoon ride he's we, he's been wanting to see it so you got to experience that yeah uh, that was a week ago or was two it? weeks ago two weeks yeah, ago the Seattle game I, I was can't late, keep track of all the Vikings losses late yeah, getting well so. they beat Seattle at least so yeah. so they had that going but no it's uh, it, so so he got a little insight Paulie on my little. Uh, getaway where i watch games that no one really knows where i am it's, it's a nice crib really is. <laughs> thank you to my parents for having that out there and let me <laughs> take over that uh, little uh man cave that is for sure no quite a uh, I, I now i listened to the game because i was going on to my cousin's uh wedding reception so i listened to jack michael's whole way we've had a few text messages here about channel six's coverage i have no idea so i have no idea what's going on. I, I i think there's maybe some growing pains i don't think there's any doubt about that I also kind of heard through the grapevine that uh, as far as the length of the TV timeouts that the home rights for the TV are midco for UND, and then Channel 6 has a little different idea what how long the TV timeouts right. are so, were supposed to be. So, And I'm, that's just all rumor and speculation. I usually listen to college football on the radio anyway because yeah. I'm too busy. It's too nice out to be sitting inside all day. Right, but, right. But, but well, I think I think Dom Izzo actually put out a tweet to that effect yeah. and, and basically explained that that there was some some uh, miscommunication about how long the commercial breaks were supposed to be. And I th- he said they got it worked out by by third quarter. Okay, <laughs> what a pain in the butt that would be. Oh my! And you know I'm pretty sympathetic to this stuff, just like. Uh, with Channel 11 a couple weeks ago with the, the Packers uh, 49ers game, it was glitching all the time. And I, I think it was, you know, because I th- thought, well, they better fix that because I knew CBS had the uh, rights on their other station, you know, for right. the Vikings game yesterday. I'm like, they better fix that because that's yeah. going to be a pretty, <laughs> I'd hate to be the switchboard person there Correct. taking all the phone calls. <laughs> I've been there, done that. That is for sure. Uh, not not very much fun whatsoever. <laughs> so a lot in the news. Um, over the weekend, I enjoyed Saturday Night Live. I had a little bit of an injury today, so it's even hard to do any mouse work. I wanted to get some of the clips from Saturday Night Live, kind of making fun of the Democrats fighting with the Democrats. I said this to Tyler before you got in. 
It reminds me a lot of uh, Joe Lieberman, Max Bacchus, and a few others, you know, pretty much sabotaging what could have been maybe a decent deal for the Democrats and Obamacare. And that it seems like we have the same type of infighting with Democrats here. It's crazy, isn't it? Well, it is. And I guess it's maybe not all that, un, you know, un, unpredictable. I mean, there there is quite a range of, of uh, you know, positions in the Democratic Party. They always claim to be a big tent. And we're seeing how big it is right now when you've got, yeah, you've got the, you know, sort of the far left progressives uh, kind of at war with uh, traditional liberals, I'd say. I, I wouldn't call, uh, uh, I actually wouldn't call Kirsten Cinema a, a, a Christian Cinema a, a moderate. Uh, she holds fairly conventional liberal positions. Manchin certainly is a moderate. Uh, but both of them, you know, are, are willing to sign off on some number of trillions of dollars even after the trillion dollar infrastructure, just not 3.5 or 5.5 or whatever it actually is. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's interesting to see these these two factions within the Democratic Party warring with each other. Of course, Republicans have experienced the same thing, and that's often to the delight of Democrats. So Republicans get to sit back and watch this one play out a little bit. Yeah. But I, mean, I think we start talking about trillions of dollars and they start arguing about, I mean, at what point to like 2.5, 3.5. I mean, it, it, well, it's theoretical at this point. Yeah, right. I mean, we are just, it's all funny money at this point anyway. Yeah. Why, why are we squabbling about yeah. this? Are you surprised that President Biden is so more in the camp now of, the AOCs, the you know that the, that type of thing. He's fighting with Bernie Sanders a little bit, obviously, yeah. but 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 it seems like he's really going to the more progressive side of things, and I think that's a surprise to a lot of swing voters here who thought that maybe he was kind of the more traditional senator that's been there for forty years. Yeah, yeah. I <clears throat> some people might be surprised at that. I think when you look at that, you know, for lack of a better word, who his handlers are, who the people are that he surrounds himself with. I think they, you know, I think their impulse is fairly left-leaning and and uh he wants to do something very big and consequential and monumental and he's pro- he, he knows he's got sort of one shot at this he's probably a one-termer and uh um uh, just because of age and health and whatnot, well, right you know, you know but i don't i'll, I'll suspect he's not going to run again so he wants to do something major and uh um you know right now you know that 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 sits you know better with the with with the far left of his party and it puts him at odds with people on the you know more in the center left or or conventional left. Do you roll your eyes at the argument about the debt ceiling? We talked about it just a little bit off the air here because we've been down this road. It didn't seem to matter during the last four years of President Trump. They played this game with President Obama. I mean, yeah, it, it's not ideal. I think for people like you and I who at some point are saying, okay, can we start maybe paying our bills here? Yeah. I mean, instead of just paying our, our credit card bill with another credit card is right. essentially what's going on. Or- well, I think there is that. And, but I mean, we've gotten so far away from paying our bills, haven't we? I mean, it, it's, well, it's, it's, ridiculous. Hard, it's hard to even, it's hard to even argue that anymore. And, and neither side really has the credibility to argue that because both sides have, have been spending on credit for quite some time. Uh, so it, it, it's almost like that, it's kind of taken that argument of you know fiscal responsibility off the table, uh, and and it's just sort of reduced itself to well, of course we've got to uh, raise the debt ceiling, and and I believe it'll get raised as it always as it always does. Government's not going to shut down, uh, but we do seem to you know have this you know discussion every couple three years, uh, regardless of who's in office. Um, you know some some con- you know some conservative Republicans you know find their voice and want to challenge you know raising the debt ceiling, but. But it's not a very serious argument because, of course, the United States is not going to, you know, put itself in a position where it's going to default on our debts. So, 
Well, you wouldn't think so. Remember, it was such a big deal that we went from AAA rating down to double A. Yeah, right. Republicans made such a big deal about that with President Obama. It's like, well, it was manufactured by what you guys are <laughs> trying to do there, playing that you know kind of hostage with this whole thing. It's 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 interesting. I think if one of the biggest failures I do think for Congress and why their appro- approval rating is so low is no one is talking about compromising to. Hey, guess what? We have to raise revenue somewhere. We can disagree about where that's going to come from. Right. And and we do have to cut spending. Democrats, you have to admit it. I mean, you know, right now it's just, it's like a blank check and uh, it's, it's bothersome. Right. And, right. And, and, and I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't understand what cryptocurrency, what the actual backing of that is in the world right, right now. Right. I, I, I don't even know what, the, how can we even joke about the fact that we're printing money? I mean, this is uh, at what point does this all collapse? It's kind of scary. I mean, I don't want to get a conspiracy theory type of stuff, but well, it's it's not conspiracy theory. It's sort of econ one hundred and one. I yeah. mean, if you have a, you know, if we're just if we're breaking the printing presses, printing out this money, I mean, the the dollars in my wallet are going to be worthless. It's just how it works. It's fact, yeah. It is this fact. So, um, you know, we at some point we have to be mindful of of just what we are putting into the what we're infusing sort of artificially into the economy. Well, to me, it's it's not even you know dollars in your wallet. It's it's almost like credits, right? I, I think about Die Hard Four. If you don't know the concept of that, I mean, if you because you, you're just getting credits, right? I mean, no one ever sees a check anymore. It all gets dumped, and it's just it's money. It's like playing Miss Pac Man and hoping you get to ten thousand to get an extra person. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, and that's because if if we have a grid shutdown, forget it. Yeah, right. I mean, how are they going to keep track of all that stuff? Right. right. I, I mean, I hope my bank's doing it for me, but mm-hmm. I mean. What's the backing there? It's just more or less, hey, my employer dumped that in, and that's what I got right now. Right, right. And it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of creepy that way. I, I, and then, and then my wife will be able to say to me, "See, I told you this is why we balance our checkbooks, and we, you know, we actually still use paper, mm-hmm. uh, and we keep our receipts." And, it's not and, the worst idea in the world, yeah, that's so. for sure. <laughs> that's uh, Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us again, North Dakota State University. If you want to join us, two three seven five nine four eight one eight hundred eight eight zero five three four six. You can text us three five two seven zero. I've uh, got one going into the break here. I'll ask you about, Jeff, your thoughts on Germany election. I haven't really looked into oh. this, so we'll, uh, we'll ask you about that when we come back. A few other things coming in here. This is The Drive. Derek Hansen with you here on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. Game show time is 423. Derek Hansen with you. This is The Drive. If you want to join us, 237-594. You can text us 35270. Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us, North Dakota State University's Political Science Criminal Justice Department. Derek, SNL's pure garbage. Saturday Night Live, that is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it's still on the air. It has been garbage for 20 years. Well, I think during the Trump years, I wasn't it was just it was just seemed like much like the late night shows it just got to be that over and over again and i'm not a fan of president trump but it, it just like that seems to be all it was i'll say saturday night there's some e- equal opportunity ripping i mean <laughs> so it was kind of fun how funny how they were kind of going after uh, some, some of the democrats were fighting with themselves so i, I think you may want to check that out if you uh uh, certainly would like to do that. Uh, KFJ, Dr. Baumgartner, your thoughts on the Germany election. I've really followed this much. You and I were talking, it's, it's kind of under the radar with everything that's going on domestically, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, this is a little out of my wheel, uh, wheelhouse, but I, I mean, I do have some opinions on it and I'm, I, I have a, 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 you know, kind of a slight interest in German politics. I mean, Angela Merkel, uh, is, is really this larger than life figure in Germany. And although people have started to, you know, had started to wear thin on her. I mean, she had been in office for, 
what, 15, 17 years? I mean, it's been right. some, some very long period of time, um, uh, just just a very long uh, serving uh, politician uh, by, I think, European standards. And so, uh, but what was interesting, I think, about about her, she was a Christian Democrat, so it's a center-right party, but she really governed almost like a center-left party. So it's interesting now that you have the, the uh, uh, social Democrats uh, who appear to have, you know, won the election, although they still have to do a coalition government. But they, I don't think the government is going to, I don't think, I don't think policy is going to look a whole lot different than when it, what it was under, under Merkel, because she kind of governed, you know, slightly to the left of center herself. So it'll be, it'll be interesting if we really know as much of a change. Have you followed, I mean, and I know maybe, maybe this is a question for your good friend, Dr. Thomas Ambrosio, yeah. you know, after the Afghanistan thing, which I still think you, you and I have argued about, you know, as far as media coverage for years now, since you and I've been doing this for about five years, but I do think that we're trying to forget about Afghanistan. And I think last week there was, I mean, to me, it was a pretty big thing that the generals came out and said, no, we wanted 2,500 and, yeah. and they got caught up. Is this going to be hurting us a little bit, do you think, uh, our relationships at all with how this all took place and how this went down? You think about, you know, go, going back in time, Afghanistan, then and then into Iraq and the respect that people have for us and how this played out because it wasn't a good look by any means no it's a bad look and i mean our our allies told us that it hurt our relationship with them i mean they told us on our way out and uh you know we heard it from the uh, floor of parliament in britain we you know we heard it from uh macron in france uh so uh no they told us that they weren't happy with us and and i think it has hurt us it's just not on our front pages of the newspaper anymore but i I doubt we've completely repaired our relationships with our allies, you know, in the span of a, you know, several weeks. Are you surprised that it's not, I'm guess I think I know the answer to this. Are you surprised this isn't more of a story? What happened last week in the hearings? I mean, it, it's, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I, of course it's newsworthy and it, it should have been a bigger story, but no, I'm not surprised that, that, that mainstream media didn't spend a lot of time <laughs> talking about it. It's, it's kind of par for the course from my perspective. Well, and I, and I don't disagree with you on this one. Cause I think it is. And there were tough questions asked to yeah. the press secretary from not, not yeah. just the, 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 the was it Doisy or whatever, the Fox news uh, uh, son or whatever. Yeah. yeah. A, a Doocy. Yeah. Doocy. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just him. It was actually, no, there was a lot of mainstream reporters asking, uh, you know, very tough questions and uh, the testimony uh, last week, you know, both can't be true. Either somebody's t- not telling right. the truth in front of Congress or, or the president didn't tell the truth, uh, sometime before. And, and usually that's a big story, but it didn't get the play that, you know, maybe Republicans would have liked to have it gotten. But, um, you know, apart from the politics of it, I, I just think that, uh, yeah, I think there's some news here and, uh, yeah, it didn't, it, it's, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that it, it wasn't teased out a little bit more. To say it will get played in the midterms would be an understatement, though, don't you think? I mean, I, I think in 11 months or 10 months, it might get played up a little, uh, little bit. It yeah. might, but, you know. Depending I, upon what the news, you know, who knows what's going to happen in a year news-wise. Too. Right. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of things to choose from if you're a Republican strategist mm-hmm. trying to figure out what you're going to emphasize. Um, and, and you know, from my perspective, Republicans often don't pick the right things to, to hammer home on. So we'll see. We'll see how much it plays up in the election. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the United States, the people of the United States are still fundamentally 
uh, interested in, in domestic affairs and how sure. their own lives are, are going. And that's going to be probably, you know, front and center. Yeah. Probably more than ever too. Probably more, a, yeah. yeah. Unless something you know big happens right. and we just don't know about that. Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us again from North Dakota State University's political science, criminal justice department, Derek Hansen with you, Paul Lyons producing. This is the drive here on the mighty seven idea, 104.7 KFGO. Paul Jerkins and news coming up again, the drive time news hour at five. UND quarterback coaches show at 6, and then Monday Night Football, Chargers and Raiders, 6.30 here on KFGO. Welcome back to The Drive. Derek Hansen with you. KFGO time is 4.37. Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us from the NDSU Political Science Criminal Justice Department. If you want to join us, 237-5948 in Texas, 35270. Um, The interview on 60 Minutes last night uh, about Facebook, I joked with Tyler. It was like walking into... uh, the Northern and saying, oh, my goodness, there's topless women here. Yeah, you know, the, the, yep. the Casablanca <laughs> thing, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm shocked there's gambling going on. Right. There's nothing in that that really startled me. I was like, I I know what's happening. I can, I talked about shoulder. All of a sudden, these ads came up about my shoulder, uh, uh, somewhere I could go to take care of shoulder pain yeah. on, on a Facebook ad. I kid you not. Yeah. I haven't searched it. I haven't done any oh, of that. That happens to me all the time. It was just talking yeah. about it. Yeah. And then it, it pops up. Yep. So. If, I, if you think I'm surprised that uh, more controversial stuff, more argumentative stuff gets shared more, and then they just follow that algorithm, I'm like, hello. And my question for you is, what do you think of it? Because I know Tyler right before us asked the question, should the government step in? The libertarian in me comes out and says, no, we're our own worst enemy. If we can't help ourselves, mm-hmm. I mean, if, I, I understand the concern about Instagram and, and young girls and all this, but... That stuff has been going on in the you know playgrounds forever, right? I mean, body shame, shaming and stuff. I think at, at some point it goes to us parents to say, what's going on, yeah. right? I mean, let me follow what you're doing. It can't just be a free-for-all for them either, if that makes any sense. Well, it does. And, I, yeah, obviously parents do have to have some responsibility about what they allow their children to do when they give their children phones right. and allow them to be on social media. Uh, you know, you know my politics, and so I always put an asterisk next to anything that uh, Jen Psaki says, but I think she got this right. I mean, this was just one more piece of things that we already knew about social media and, and some of the, the detrimental characteristics of social media, especially for young people. Um, I'm fairly libertarian, too, but I, I do think there's uh, probably a role for government when it comes to regulating uh, you know, uh, social media for the well-being of children, uh, for young people, especially if, if parents aren't always stepping up and, and we do this in other areas of, of uh, children's health, right? And so I'm, and I'm not saying censorship, but I'm just, I mean, right now, social media uh, companies, I mean, they, they benefit from a, a very favorable regulatory environment. They have certain, uh, uh, you know, protections uh, from, you know, civil lawsuits for content that's on their sites. You're right. The stuff has been going on in playgrounds and whatnot, but uh, but social media has amplified. I don't uh, Some yeah. of the things that uh, you know we we grew up with. It, it's made it it's it's made it far more. I mean, think about you know when things you know become you know viral or you know people that you don't even know are commenting on your looks or whatever because it's it's just you know taken off and and um, just the 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 weight of carrying some of those things around uh, when when you're being bullied online, for example. Um, Anyway, I just yeah, I, I there's there is a role for government here. Uh, you know, striking the balance is always going to be the challenge. But uh, I, I do think that we've treated social media companies with kid gloves for a little too long. Yeah, I think it's um, it's the old thing, right? We talk about this in politics all the time: the old slippery slope, right? Mm-hmm, and, right. And I think that's what makes me nervous when we talk about a lot of this stuff because I think uh, for me more than anything else is that 
you you have a situation here where I don't really have a problem with Facebook and YouTube or whatever squashing stuff that might be legitimately something that's true, mm-hmm. but they squash it for whatever political reason because yeah. that's their right to do it. And it, for me, it's like, oh, really? You don't like NFL players uh, taking knee during the, then don't go, don't watch. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, that's that's your right. And until we step up and say we're not going to do this anymore, yeah. I, well, I, I think I don't know if I want the government to get involved. I, to- I totally get that, and I and I don't even disagree. It's just when they when they have special protections in place because they are they are offering to be the public square, then they don't get to you know suppress just the political speech that they, they don't like while keeping abusive speech you know uh, you know in place uh, you know from one person to another or from you know one group to a, uh, to another or targeting individuals or whatever. So uh, if they're going to take sides and maybe we want them to, particularly when it comes to policing abusive behavior, um, you know, that's fine. Um, but, but then I think we need to reevaluate sort of what protections they have for what appears on their uh, as content on their platforms. Uh, text comes in, the government already regulates radio and TV. Why not social media? I think it's tougher because like radio and TV, we're more or less renting the air from them, so I mean, if that makes sense, I mean it's kind of it's more complicated than that. But I'm simplifying. Where cable TV isn't really that regulated, for one, the content Correct. there it'd be, it'd be more akin to cable. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it. Yeah, right. This is more like cable TV, where there's certain things that they do regulate of you know as far as prices and municipalities and stuff like that. And you can't put to, illegal things uh, right, you know, out there. I mean, yeah, so it's kind of tricky like that. And I think that's maybe where that falls under. But as far as content. You know, unlike over the air places, I just don't know. I think it's tougher for the government to come and regulate without looking heavy handed because that's what China, China does. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's yeah, that, that's what I struggle with on this, because it's kind of like the old cable access TVs where we had the Nazis way back when and everyone shake their why you do it. Well, I mean, they more or less you can't really tell them not to unless they start threatening people. And yeah. Well, and, and I and I do. I struggle with that too. Where is the balance? Again, I mean, I think I think social media platforms have benefited from from a regulatory environment that's been very permissive, with the idea that they're not going to police political content or decide that Alex Jones should be off the air, but uh, Louis Farrakhan should be on the you know should be on social media, mm-hmm. and Alex Jones should be off. You know, it's like you know, let the let let normal people and crazies alike be out there if you're going to be the public square. Um, but if you're going to, if you're going to control your content, then be responsible for your content and, and, uh, accountable for it. And it's just interesting that in an, in an era where they seem to be picking winners and losers, you know, on, on political speech or COVID speech or everything else that, uh, they, they seem quite intentional in, uh, allowing content that is going to, you know, rope young people in, uh, try to addict them to these platforms. And it often, and often, uh, results in, in, uh, uh, you know, very harmful messaging, uh, taking place on these platforms. Yeah. I think what it comes down to, it's so hard to monitor. I mean, we find it sometimes when we put like something on, you know, like if we put a story on there and someone starts chiming in and we try to monitor it all the time, oh, to, sure. delete all it's, And so, you know, it's like, there's just so many threads out there and right. I can't imagine what it's like on Facebook and what have you. So I don't, I don't know where you go with that. And you think about the billions of people that are on it with different languages and all that. Right. I just, it, it's awfully hard. Yeah. And, and where does it, how do you do this unless you look pretty heavy handed government wise? I, yeah. Well, and, and certainly where children are involved and yeah, there is a, you know, the onus is principally on parents to, to, to police what their kids are doing and what they're trafficking in, in terms of messages and so forth. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I, 
I, I'm increasingly thinking there's in the same way that we do regulate other kinds of uh, other kinds of things when when self-regulation doesn't seem to be working. I'm I'm open at least to the discussion that government would have a have a role in this. So. Well, how about okay? Let's switch gears from children to let's say the political ads and stuff like that. Should that be regulated more? Because I think we could get into that a little bit as far as having more of a trail because it affects what we do within our government, yeah. right? Does, does that make sense? Well, I, if we're going to, by statute, which we do, exempt them from liability for the content on their on their pages or on their platforms, then they need to be even-handed about that. If, if, if you're going to, if you're going to pick sides on, on, in terms of political messages, which they've clearly done and have bragged about, and you know, other whistleblowers have, have pointed that out, um, then that's fine. Your, your company, you know, choose whatever side you want and promote whatever pages you want, whatever messages you want in that regard, but, but then be accountable for the content on your, on your platform. If you have false information against another candidate or something that you've allowed to be on your platform or that you've promoted or amplified, uh, then you're accountable for that information, uh, you know, one way or the other. And we've, we've given them this blanket, you know, protection from liability with the idea that, you know, we don't hold, you know, the public square responsible for what some kook comes up and says in the public right. square. Uh, they're trying to have it both ways. They want to decide what's in their, you know, not so public square, but still want all the protections of, of, uh, uh, of, of being a public square. Well, that goes down to the, is it a platform? Is it a public square? You know what I mean? Right. Is, is it, is it, cause if you start doing that, then you are actually kind of, you know, and that's, a, it, it's such a, a gray area there because it's not like over the air broadcasts, yeah. you know? So I, I, I mean, I don't the libertarian know. response would be to revoke that liability protection and just let them defend themselves right. in court. If somebody wants to sue them, maybe a lot of that stuff would be thrown out as frivolous lawsuits, but, but essentially take away the imprimatur that the federal government has given them to, 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 to operate freely like that and let them just defend themselves. Yeah. I, and I think, I think what bothers most people about a lot of this stuff is that the ads that sh- show up on a lot of social media you know, it, it seems like it can go even further because it's nasty enough on over-the-air TV, right? Sure. Let alone what you might see on social media. And, and, and who's really looking at the truth police on a lot of those things? I mean, oh, right. There's, uh, I mean, yeah. it's And that does affect outcomes. I, mean, I used to get in trouble all the time, and this is someone who's voted much more left, as you know, but I just didn't blame the 2016 election as much on Facebook and some of these bots or whatever you're mm-hmm. talking about because – at some point, we have to think for ourselves. I, think, I guess that's where my frustration comes in is that people just don't think for themselves. They're just looking at something. They they pick a side, then they run with that narrative that they saw from a meme, mm-hmm. as fake as it might be from another foreign com- country influence. Right. And, and we got to be smarter about it. And that's the same thing when it comes down to all these different algorithms. Know that you are being watched. You're know that I Watched mean, and manipulated. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they are working you like a puppet. <laughs> exactly. 237-594-8180-5346. You can text us 35270. We'll wrap up this hour. Always good to talk with Dr. Jeff Baumgartner from North Dakota State University's Political Science Criminal Justice Department. Derek Hansen, Polly Lines. This is The Drive on KFGO. Wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour here on The Drive, then the Drive Time News Hour on the way. Dr. Jeff Baumgartner with us here. Derek Hansen, The Drive. Excited about Kansas coming next May. Did you see that? Uh, Shields uh, Arena. Kansas. Big Kansas fan. You're a classic rock guy, kind of, aren't you? 
Oh, uh, yeah. You're talking about the band. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought that you were breaking news about uh, NDSU basketball yeah, you're, or something. Yeah, you thinking the Jayhawks are coming to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Now, that would have been a story. Oh, I, was, I was pretty excited for a yeah. second. But no, I, I actually I do like the band Kansas. Yeah, great band. This should be a lot of fun. We'll yeah. talk about that coming up in just a bit. If you want to join us here for the final seconds, 237-5948. You can text us 35270. Heard a story this morning. Don Haney was talking about the fact that it's an interesting thing. You with your criminal justice background and your political science criminal justice part of it, that a uh, lot of politics in 2022 in our state, where we're from, Minnesota, is going to get pretty interesting because you're going to have your outstate stuff, the the talk already. I think a lot of people are going to watch Minneapolis to see what happens because right. there's still a lot of people within Minneapolis that are still using one of the dumbest terms I've heard in politics, defund the police. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's I think for people who are in the outstate Democrats, like my good friend Paul Marcourt and stuff, yeah. that's a nightmare scenario. Yeah, they, I mean, and maybe you know politically, maybe some of that's already baked in the cake because Minneapolis has already been, you know, uh, Minneapolis Democratic politics is already far left of the rest of the DFL throughout the state, right? And so, um, you know, maybe that's not going to change voting habits outside of the Twin Cities or even in the suburbs. But you're right. I mean, Minneapolis politicians themselves, the city council, they've they've doubled down on defund and eliminate and reimagine the police. And, and uh, they've gone to court and fought for their right to do so time and time again. And apparently, uh, you know, they're going to have an opportunity, uh, you know, you know, to make that case uh, to the citizens to to get rid of the police department. Well, I and I just I can't. If I'm sitting there, if I'm uh, Jacob Fry, I'm not looking forward to that. If I'm trying to be, I mean, I don't think that's going to be a good scenario at all if I'm him. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah. that, you know, if, what side does he take on that then? Oh, I think he's, I think he's taking the responsible side. I I would not have guessed, uh, you know, uh, a year ago anyway, that I'd be calling Jacob Fry the adult in the room, but he is actually the adult in the room down there. He's, uh, he is not in favor of, of, you know, eliminating the police department. They, a lot of people would say it's just it's it's sort of self-serving for him because right now the structure is that the police chief reports to the mayor, uh, and this new structure would have whatever peace officer present in Minneapolis reporting kind of through uh, the council as well or to a police commission that's uh, accountable to the mayor and the council. So, uh, so his power, I guess, over the police would be somewhat uh, more limited than the current model, but. I think he's just very concerned right now. You know, uh, ABC Duluth said that uh, Minneapolis is down over 200 officers right now in a department that has an authorized strength of they're less than 900. They were understaffed long before the George yeah, Floyd situation. Absolutely, and now they're now it's further exacerbated. They, you know, they they are only taking basically 911 calls right now, and and uh, those got to be um, never ending down there. Absolutely. So it is it is tough, uh, you know, to either need a cop or be a cop in Minneapolis right now, and. And uh, I don't know what I don't know how this is going to end. As someone who is a police officer yourself over the years, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you would necessarily. And I'm sure many union members around the country would not be against some type of reforms to make their lives easier, right? That I think yeah. it's just both sides kind of have to come to the table here, don't they? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some you know some you know reform proposals I could certainly get behind the idea of you know maybe uh, using more social service uh, personnel in certain calls. I. I think law enforcement would embrace that. They don't want to go to some of these calls where they're ill-equipped or ill-trained to deal with people that that are having these mental health crises or whatever. Um, so I think I think cops could get behind that, and if that takes some funding, then 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 so be it. But this idea of of just eliminating the police department or defunding them to the point that they can't even respond to normal uh, police service calls that I, I mean that's problematic. At the end of the day, I mean I mean the police in Minneapolis are kind of becoming. 
Um, you know, some would say, you know, they'd prefer this, but they're kind of becoming the fire department. They're only responding to calls. They're not, they're not actually out there proactively policing. They don't have the time uh, if they even had the inclination, which I suspect they don't. Well, I have a certain someone in my life, as a lot of people know, I'm very close to a relative of mine who's, they're so busy. It's like a DOI is a hassle for them, right? Mm -hmm. Which is problematic, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, it's I mean, a three-hour call, you know. Right, I mean, I mean they, they, they don't tie up my yeah. whole night with a yeah. DUI. I mean, that, right. And that's sad to think that, I mean, they can't worry about one of the most dangerous things that we have in America right now right. is drunken driving, and they, they can't deal with it because they're dealing with so many other things right. and domestics and all that. Right. It's, right. That's not good. No, it's not good. It's not a good, good position to be in, and again, I think uh, – you know, we'll see what happens with when this goes to the public on on, on the ballot, uh, as far as reimagining or redefining public safety there. But it's um, at, at some point, you know, I mean, communities, you know, they I, I do believe in local control, and if that's what they want, that's what they can have. But then, don't go to Anoka County begging them to come in and back up the uh, yeah. you know the problems that they've created in that's Minneapolis. Doctor Jeff Baumgartner, thanks so much. You bet. Again, Criminal Justice Department, uh, uh, Political Science Department, I should say the same thing there yeah. at North Dakota State University. We are out of time for this hour. It goes by so fast whenever uh, Doctor Baumgartner comes in. No doubt, a lot of that uh, law enforcement stuff will be a big factor in Minnesota politics in uh, 2022. That is for sure. Next year at this time, Derek Hansen with you. This is the Drive, the Drive Time News Hour coming up here on KFGO. Yeah.